It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. All right, let's go to the phones. Let's not. Yeah, that's probably yeah, no, good. No, that's not. Hey, everybody. Um, welcome to Don't Go to the Phones, episode four. Uh, I'm your host, Matt Daring. With me, as always, is your other host, Trevor Strunk. Hey, Trevor. Hey, Matt. Looks like we finally got that intro down. Yeah, maybe. No, I think um, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that a keeper? Let us know. Uh, yeah. So, um, lots been going on in Eagles land, you know, sports land in general. Uh, Phillies hired Terry Ryan, so I think that's probably going to be the focus today. No, it's not. Um, it's not at all what anybody cares about at all. But I love, anyway, I love the idea uh, that like I liked the uh, the brief moment on Twitter where like uh, people just DM or uh, messaged all their favorite like Twins bloggers and were like, "Hey, what what should I think of this?" And they're like, "Well, you didn't hire him as a GM. He's like a special, special scout for like the yeah. Midwest or something. It doesn't. You're gonna be fine. Like hiring do, Ruben Amaro as your first base coach. Uh, I do enjoy that. Like." Um, like twins people are like some unbiased source like oh i am i am the most steeped in terry ryan and let me tell you a thing or two about terry we're like no i hated terry ryan because of this or i love terry ryan because of this and like that's it that's that's the entirety of how people feel it's like uh after the draft when people come in and are like oh man you are gonna love yes. watching this player from my favorite school i think i'm pretty unbiased because i went there and i <laughs> love it there and i have an entire room that's themed in usc colors but you are gonna or let's not say usc let's say uh, oh, washington yeah. I, I have an entire room themed in washington colors and as an unbiased guy who watched this guy i think he's going to be the best ever I love I love when like inevitably like in the seventh round if you go to the uh, 
the threads on BGN, it'll be like, um, you know, they'll they'll pick up some like, I don't know, some tweener linebacker from uh, like a William and Mary or something like that, and it'll be like some William and Mary alum will come in and be like, I think this guy is going to be like seriously an Eagles fan favorite like he has everything <laughs> the eagles fans love it's like okay yeah he's, I, he's a linebacker plays yeah or whatever yeah i do got love him that. And i just love the idea that like oh i'm an unbiased expert i am an expert <laughs> right. I, just, I, I watched him for four years saw him cry once on tv when they won like he just loves football uh, anyway um yeah, well we're football. way off topic already so no, um, not really i have a good segue uh yeah. matt you know why these fans yes. actually don't know uh, everything about these players? You know why sometimes uh, someone will come up and tell us we have to, uh, we're going to love watching Taylor Hart and it ends up not being true? Uh, yeah, why is that? Well, because fans don't know everything, my friend. There's a large information imbalance. Yeah, that's right. I think that's going to be our theme this week. We've sort of been talking about it. And I think we even hit on this, um, you know, once or twice before. I I, uh, I always find it very frustrating that... the. The information imbalance is real. All right. Well, OK, before we get into it, why don't you tell us what you mean by information imbalance? Well, the way we've been sort of thinking about it is, um, you know, as fans, we sort of get one, you know, basically we feel like we get the entire picture of a, of a football team, right? Like we watch the Eagles on, on Sunday or Monday or Thursday or whatever. And we also yeah, we read Fran's breakdowns. I mean, right, stuff exactly. like that can be really and then diehards will watch that. They'll watch at least all 22. Stuff. Yeah. Um, and you know, we look at, we look at like blogs all week. We'll go to bleeding green nation. We'll read every single like update or whatever. We can name the people on the practice squad, whatever. Right. So we feel like we have a, a, a full account of the team somehow, which leads to a lot of, um, you know, speculation, like, you know, people feeling like they know better than anyone else, you know, what Doug's role is versus Howie's role versus Jim Schwartz's role, right? Like, this is sort of how we operate as a fan base, and every fan base does this. It's not unique to Philadelphia. Um, but really, ultimately, um, we don't know all that much. Uh, we don't have any access to, you know, in in practice. Uh, we don't see what goes on during the week. We don't know the conversations that the coaches have. We don't know the conversations that the GMs have. Um, and in fact, that stems through the draft process into the year and in fact, like into sort of offseason decisions as well. Um, yeah, so it's interesting you mention access. Um, I think that that's sort of one of the things that as the years have gone on, uh, get, you get a little bit better at, at figuring this stuff out, you know, reading the tea leaves because there are guys who have access, you know, yeah. the beat reporters, especially, you know, the like upper level ones, the ones who have an in with management, you know, I don't I don't know who that is anymore. But, you know, those types of guys. <laughs> yeah, BLG for one. But, you know, you'll see guys, they'll start to like hint at things. Um, you know, maybe they maybe they have something or they suspect something, but they can't really talk about it. You know, uh, I'm trying to think of um, uh, some examples. You know, some stuff just comes together quickly and, and none of the beats see it coming. But a lot of times this stuff does happen. I mean, all mm -hmm. right, so the Deshaun Jackson situation, as much as I don't really want to rehash that again, you know, a lot of the beats saw that coming. It was like pretty clear what was going on to the point where, you know, even people did some ridiculous digging and, you know, things like that. But right. um, that's neither here nor there. But these guys, the guys with access, they do try to tell us what they know. Um, because I mean, at the very least they get to look really smart when it does come to pass, even if they can't tell you firsthand, like, Oh, you know, 
Deshaun Jackson's done in Philly. They will right. start to say like, here's re- reasons why Deshaun Jackson could be done in Philly, or here's some guys to replace Deshaun Jackson if he's done in Philly or right. whatever, yeah. you know? And, and of course goals. we as fans love to get on these guys and say, bah, what do you know? But unfortunately they probably do know more about this than we do. Right. And actually it's kind of interesting. Cause of course, like, and this isn't actually something we plan on talking about, but I think it's a worthwhile point to make is like, you know, we get on people like Les Bowen or, or, or Rube or whatever. And like, yeah, like I think I probably have better ideas about football than Rube. I'll, I'll like, I'll defend that point. Um, but he does know more about what the team's doing than I do. Like, and then, you know, he's probably wrong a good deal more often than he's right. Uh, but you know, I'm wrong way more often than that. If you were to ask me to like prognosticate as to what the Eagles are doing. Um, and so, like, these guys are, like, you know, it's the classic Ben Albright sort of problem, right? Like, uh, you know, well, I don't see you doing my job. Like, everyone gets on me when I'm wrong. Um, that's dumb to say, but it's also kind of true. Uh, <laughs> we, we don't know nearly as much as these guys do. And that is just kind of, like, built in, baked into the the team network, to team uh, structure. Yeah, and so I guess sort of the, the segue I was hoping to make there, which I'll go ahead and do now, was that yeah. – um, uh, when you read these guys, you know, they, they have their actions. These are actions that these guys choose to take. And that is they choose to write an article and then publish it. And maybe sometimes they choose a headline, um, but whatever. You know, they choose to, to write up this stuff and then publish it and and get that stuff out there. And so, so for me, the question is, like, look, given their actions, their actions are what we know. Right. They wrote down these words. They put it out there. What, given that we know that this stuff happened, what could have caused that? And you know, I think in general the idea is because, like, look, these are reasonable people who made it, who made like a reasonably good decision. I don't always think that's true. I mean, Rube trotted out Pro Bowl MVP, which has given rise to its own family of memes. But wasn't um, he also left the left the playoffs with the lead? Uh, maybe he also said that Nick Foles' best skill was winning. So, right. Anyway, um, so uh, we're not doing we're not doing the Rube show. The Rube show is we'll save for another time. But um, <laughs> that's a, that's the, what after this gets really successful, that'll be a spinoff. <laughs> the Rube show. <laughs> we just talk about keyboardists and I don't know winning. So, I feel like I feel like I should say just as an aside, it, it, Nick Foles' best skill probably is winning. Insofar as Nick Nick Foles doesn't have a lot of good skills. Yeah. So, so, um, so like, if you were to actually like, like, yeah, <laughs> like he's won a lot of games. It's probably his best like resume builder. Hey, come on, make some noise. Um, <laughs> make some noise. Come on. I don't have drops. But anyway, the um, so the thing about uh, the thing, so the thing that I was hoping to say was that like, look, in the same way, and Greg Cosell, who I like a lot, he says this sort of thing a lot, but mostly about like college players that coaches tell you what they think about players, you know, by what they do with them. So uh, I think that's sort of going to be the main meat of what we wanted to talk about today is um, that these guys, the coaches out there, they show us what they think of their players based on how much they play them. So um, been a couple of guys in the news, uh, just really quick, you know, here are some names. Um, <clears throat> here are some names. Dave. No. So uh, Vinny Curry, um, Bryce Treggs, Paul Turner, Nelson Aguilar. Um, and I really wanted to go a week without talking about Nelson Aguilar, but, uh, 
you know, these are some guys where the coaches tell you what they think about them. And I think that the I think that the one that sort of stuck out to me is Vinny Curry, because, look, mm-hmm. now we're most of the way through the season. The defensive line just came off of like a pretty bad performance, all things considered. And, yeah, they were held and da 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 da. But Vinny Curry got like a lot of money and we were all really excited to see what he could do. And, you know, he's not really performing up to that skill. No, um, I know he seems like a nice guy. I know he grew up an Eagles fan. And so like that is like automatically apparently earned him like five or six years of good graces, but um, personally, that's probably how I feel like I, you know, I would give Mike Trout a bunch of like, even if he was awful and like, (laughs) just sort of like a a sort of like, you know, complimentary player on the angels. If he shows up like, and is enthusiastically an Eagles fan, usually I'll give that person goodwill. Yeah. It's just a total dirt bag. But like, man, he likes the same team as me. Mike Trout is not a dirt bag. No, I'm just saying like if Mike Trout were also a juggalo. I think, I think hypothetically, if they weren't Lions fans, I think they'd be Eagles fans. <laughs> oh, God, no, they'd be Jags fans. Yeah, you're right. Oh, Once again, sure. we've gotten off topic. So, uh, <laughs> Jags fans. So the um, so at this point, you know, Vinny Curry, he is like a badly underperforming player, and I think it's funny because Vinny Curry has been one of these. He's like a legend. In his own, you know, not, well, I don't know what he thinks about his own legend, but he is sort of his own legend. I don't know if you remember this, but so Vinny Curry, second round uh, selection out of Marshall. And, it's really you know, a second round selection. Wow. Yeah, he was a, so he was a second round selection a couple of years ago um, out of Marshall. Uh, he was the last guy the Eagles drafted before Russell Wilson was drafted, um, as I know Dan Klostner likes to bring up from time to time. And um, <laughs> as much as I hate drafts, uh, draft revisionism uh that is a true thing so um and then i I don't know if you remember this but his like he was very he was a healthy and active like a lot yeah like a lot and everyone was like so this is so this is what i wanted to talk about everyone was like what is he doing (laughs) what you know what is it? it was so it was uh landy at that point right uh yeah so i'm trying to remember if it was mcdermott um, or if it was, uh, you know, Juan Castillo oh, and then yeah. like, uh, Todd Bowles and then who else has come through here? Uh, well then, so Billy Davis and, and now Jim Schwartz and like all these guys have like pretty much refused to play him. Right. And every time a guy refuses to play him, people are like, what's this guy thinking? And like, all right, here's my thesis statement. He's probably thinking something. <laughs> He probably has a reason for it, and like you know, we're not really privy to it. So that's what we sort of mean by by uh, this is a long a long way of saying. So there's this information imbalance, right? That Vinny Curry is a guy, he is a player, and he shows up, he goes into the building. Look, we probably see about five percent of the football that Vinny Curry plays in his life, you know, or even even lately, you know, because this guy he is in practice, he is doing football things in meetings, you know, he is in the defensive line meeting rooms, he is like you know, talking to his coordinators, his position coaches, you know, all that stuff. And they are evidently not that impressed with him because he's still not demanding regular playing time over Connor Barwin, who's terrible. So, yeah, they want to rotate, blah, blah, blah. Great. But, um, you know, the the fact remains is that, like, this guy has never really been a full-time starter and people are just totally baffled by it. And I'm here to tell you that you you, you can stop now. 
that these guys, I mean, look, none of us have met Vinny Curry. Maybe some of us have met Vinny Curry. I met him at a card shop. He was really cool. He signed a thing. It only cost me $15. Great. Fine. I'm, I'm glad you had fun. But like, none of us have like met this guy or know what he's like as like a football player. Not really. And, you know, know what he, know how he performs in practice. So when the coaches say, look, I don't think we can, I just don't think we can afford to put him out there. I think it's time that we just believe them. And well, yeah. 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 I mean, it's it's basically like um, it's basically like like you you get these positions where like, you know, people think they've seen like a, a player play really well in preseason or they think they have a better handle on their abilities than the coaches do or, or whatever. Right. Um, and you start thinking like, you know, I know better than this guy. Like I know better than um uh, Billy Davis does because he seems like a bad defensive coordinator or like even worse like I think he's making a decision based like on no premise like I think it's a purely illogical decision that he's just like making because Vinny Curry slept with his wife or something like that like it's just it it it, it it's really like we do this all the time like oh why'd they kick Paul Turner off the of, of the team that seems really unfair like they were they were being unfair to Paul Turner or like you know like why why aren't they giving more shots to Bryce Treggs? He caught a 60-yard pass his first time or whatever. Like, that seems unfair. They're too loyal. Um, all these emotional appeals just aren't really very convincing. Um, if you stop and think, like, look, you know, whether or not you want to say, and I know a lot of people like to say Doug didn't get any interviews besides the Eagles, right? Um, Good Lord, like, I care. Yeah, like, I, it doesn't matter. Well, no, I mean, like, and, like, you know, in an argument that I unfortunately got into online because I thought I was arguing with someone else and it turned out to be a different person, um, it, you know, like, Ben McAdoo just doesn't look that much better. Like, yeah, his team looks better in the record, but, whew, like, as as you guys have pointed out, that's a bad 8-3. and three. And, like, you know, I, what other head rookie coach do you want? Do you want Hugh? Do you want... I mean, do you want like Adam Gase? He hasn't looked that good. Yeah. And like, you know, but but to the point, the you know, Doug may have not gotten any interviews, or like, you know, Jim Schwartz may have been out of the game for a year. But these are guys at like the highest possible level of their game. And if they're going into decisions being like, you know, like Jeff Larry asks, like, well, okay, so I'll give you a situation. You're a coach and you have this guy, he seems really good in part time, but like you're wondering if you should put him in full time or not, what do you do? And he goes like you know, I would decide that based on like my horoscope that day, or like I don't know if it, if it, <laughs> yeah, if it was windy. I usually yeah. make fun decisions when it's windy because I think it's neat. Yeah, and, like, like uh, what do you think? Oh, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, right. Like I, I'd consult my I'd consult my tarot deck. Like it's just like no one's gonna answer that way, and they all have a logic behind it. Like yeah, maybe the logic's bad. Like Jim Jeff Fisher has a logic behind everything too, and like. I'm pretty sure his logic's bad, but it's still a logic and it's something that you do not have any access to. Yeah, and um, I guess that's kind of frustrating. I mean, I understand that that's extremely frustrating and I sort of understand why I guess the impulse has always been to just sort of throw up your hands and be like, oh, this guy, well, he's an idiot, you know, and like, yeah. I'm not. And, and be, But I mean, look, the fact of the matter is, is that... Well, getting back to Vinnie Curry for a second, three coaching staffs have told us what they think of him. Right. And, I mean, they haven't all just sort of arrived at this conclusion accidentally. Or if they have, then, like, I really, really badly misunderstand the meritocracy that is, you know, the relative meritocracy that is NFL coaching. Um, 
and just about how hard it is because I mean it's hard for me to believe that there's there's like about there's about like seven good ones you know and that like there's like there's just like a million guys just waiting around for their shot like you know your uncle that you try not to talk to or whatever Art Bryles um, is, is ready to go, man. Like he, oh, no, the, the Browns, scandal is behind the him. Brought him, right? Right. Oh yeah, they did, and then he didn't take the job. Boy, yes. <laughs> Betty's Betty's regretting that. Yeah. Yuck. Yeah. Um, wow. Really terrible situation in Baylor. So, um, but yeah, no, you're right. I mean, what? So I'm sorry, I keep getting off track because it's fun. yeah, no, no, no. But, but so, no, you're right. So I, I it's it, the problem is just that. You know, we don't see a lot of this. And and I guess for me, I find it more productive, you know, not to like really take a look at like, um, oh, like what could this be? Or like, why is, you know, Doug stupid? Because, right. I, I mean, I guess with the presumption that he isn't stupid and, and a lot of people don't really like that. I mean, I get it. His first interview or his first uh, press conference was something of a disaster. He was like nervous. He like immediately pointed at the back of the room. It was very weird. Um, I mean, it was terrible. Like, there's no two ways around it. He's got that like, you know, fat dopey. John Ham slash, yeah, yeah, slash like dopey Bruce Campbell look. And like, just in general, he seems sort of like... Uh, you know, like that guy at work. So <laughs> that, I mean, that's that's sort of the that's sort of the the vibe he gives off. And so I kind of understand how you're like, oh, it's like the pull my finger guy. Like, oh, what a dumbass. Like, but I don't know. Maybe he's not. He probably isn't. And um, because if he were, I mean, there'd probably be mutiny, and you'd probably hear about like, you know, Doug keeps losing his car keys or <laughs> whatever. Like. Well, and I think I think that's like Doug's been calling someone the wrong name for two years and hasn't realized it. Doug keeps making sandwiches and forgetting bread. <laughs> no, my hand. Um, <laughs> but like, I mean, this is but this is like you know that kind of that kind of uh, like mental um, that kind of like mental distortion or that mental like I can't think of the right word here, but like the fact uh, dissonance. Excuse me, that kind of mental dissonance where like. People think, okay, look, if if he was really super stupid, the people in the locker room would be talking about it. And people, I think, automatically know that that's true. But then they also think, like, well, look, the people in the locker room aren't talking about it, and I can't personally be wrong about this. So it must be that Doug is, like, a pawn of a greater scheme that's going on in the locker room. Yeah, and of course there was that article by Jeff McLean this week that was talking about how Doug is sort of a mouthpiece, and it was kind of like a thing that was like, I don't know, it was not demanding, but sort of saying that, uh, you know, Jim Schwartz's unit has underperformed and he needs to answer for it. I mean, he's um, right. <laughs> well, he's half right. Uh, oh, he's he, right about the Jim Schwartz part. He's not right about he, the, the mouthpiece part. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. And, the you know, and he said that Howie also needs to answer for it. And that's true because Howie gave out a couple of extensions that in hindsight didn't really seem that good. Um, of mm -hmm. course, Jeff McLean's uh, main thesis actually wasn't about the underperforming Zach Ertz or the underperforming Vinnie Curry or, you know, Fletcher Cox, who I'll admit like played well, but just wasn't really felt um, unfortunately. But, you know, his stuff was mostly about why Howie brought in all of Jim's guys. I mean, it was a very Jim short centric article. Yeah, like uh, Ron Brooks and stuff. Yeah, what did he say? He said, he said that there's like four of them. He brought in four guys and three and of them aren't. And only one's performing. But that's not true because Leotis McKelvin's not like a great corner, but he's a body. And so I think, think like. Who the fourth one is. 
Uh, Nigel Bradham, Ron Brooks. Yeah. Um, Leotis McKelvin and. Oh, um, what's his name? Uh, linebacker Tullock. Oh, that's right. Tullock's still on the team. I haven't seen him in a long time. Does he? God, I totally forgot about Stephen Tullock. <laughs> Does he play sometimes? Are you kidding me? I'm gonna look up. I'm gonna Dude, look. Dude, I up. haven't thought about Stephen Tullock in like four weeks. Man, I yeah, I am with you. I'm gonna look up uh, his pro football reference numbers for this year because they could. He he personally cannot have in any snaps. Man, that's bizarre. Well, yeah. I mean, he's um, a few. So he, bring, he brings up the stuff and he's like, uh, you know, says that Jim Schwartz needs to answer for it. I don't really know what good Jim Schwartz answering for it's going to be. Like, he's not going to have some epiphany out there on the you know, on the dance floor. But, um, <laughs> wow. Whatever it's called. Even Tillich has five tackles this year. Sure. I bet he's played like 60 snaps. Yeah. No, it's, that's wild. I, I, I also, yeah, I mean, that's. I just Ooh. remember seeing him. And I'm like, oh, that guy looks too short to be Jordan Hicks. That's about, <laughs> that's about it. I think he, I think that was the title of Stephen Tullock's children's novel was the shorter Jordan Hicks. <laughs> Mommy, but, why is Jordan Hicks so short? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's short Jordan Hicks. No, we're off track. All right. So, um, but the, no, you're uh, right. Like it's it's a very it was a very Jim Schwartz centered piece, and it, it largely just pointed at Jim Schwartz and says like Jim Schwartz should give us answers. But again, like yeah, that that falls mm-hmm. back on this like weird fallacy of like ooh like Jim Schwartz is like the smart guy in the corner of the room who won't tell you anything, and right. Doug Peterson is like a moron who has to take the like fall on his sword. Uh, like, you know, like <laughs> like no, they're probably like the exact same guy. Like they, yeah, that's they, what I always say. I always joke that Jim, that Doug Peterson drove himself here, you know, and like that's so good. <laughs> like, like that's that kind sort of thing. Sure right? <laughs> yeah, that people are like they're like sort of impressed, but like they're also like ready to jump on him. And and I don't really think that's fair because and look, I don't think that this is crazy to say the defense has a lot of talent on it and the offense doesn't. I think that's yeah. been the theme of like I don't know the last year. Well, they and, basically they game they 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 game planned that way. Like people talk about that as if like oh boy, you know I saw like one cow. Cowboys fan or something say like, oh, I thought I thought the Eagles uh, wide receivers were supposed to be best in the league. And everyone basically said, like, literally no one said that. <laughs> we, we all understood that our wide receivers were bad. Yeah, I don't I don't understand. Yeah. Um, anyway, but like but like, you know, it's it's this is how the this is how the season was supposed to go, where like they literally said, like, OK, look, we're punting on offense because we don't think we can actually like do anything good there. We are going to. Like stack defense in the hope of winning eight or nine games. And that's what they were thinking when Bradford was here. And then when Bradford wasn't here, it's like, well, you know what? Maybe the defense will make it fun to watch, but like there's nothing on offense. So this team isn't going anywhere. And then when it started going places. We changed our minds. Yeah. And it's tough to do. I don't really think, and, and I think that, you know, for, for his part as a, as a coach, as a leader of men, as a manager, as it were, I think that um, I think that Doug's probably pretty happy, all things considered, with how it's going. You know, he gets to sort of point at things and, and kind of boast about his cohesive game plan, say that, you know, look his guys in the eye and say with confidence that he's trying to do right by them. Uh, and I certainly think that that's like that's a different kind of tone than Chip Kelly ever struck. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily know if that's the comparison we want to make, but I think you it's know, absolutely we, a comparison you want to make because what? Like you're you're just comparing the two head coaches that came in, and I think like it it's night and day. So um, yeah, and and so I guess the other thing I wanted to talk to you about was you know 
as we have Vinny Curry, where we're kind of now realizing, like, uh-oh, like, he's not a full-time player. And, like, if you ask him to be a full-time player, he isn't even good part of the time. Right. Um, and even then, they're asking him to be, like, less and less of a full-time player. He played, like, what, 30% of the snaps last year? I think this year it's, like, somewhere in the 40s. I mean, maybe that's just too much for him. That would be, like, a, you know, a 30 or 40 or 50% increase in, in the number of snaps he's played. And that's, uh, that's... That's like a big workload for, you know, like an energy guy, you know, an effort guy, as it were. I mean, it's it's like very conceivable that like, look, when all these guys took a look at Vinny Curry, they were like, this is not a guy I can count on. Right. You well, know? you know, and you, you think about this like this happens in baseball all the time when like a platoon guy. So a guy who can have only lefties or righties, um, but he hits them super well. Like all of a sudden people start thinking like, well, and this happens, I mean, with prospects all the time, they can hit righties super well. And then people will say like, well, hopefully he can like start to see the ball better against lefties or whatever. And you know, it's like a, it's a development thing, <coughs> excuse me. But at some point they're, you know, 30. And you're like, well, they're not going to do it. Yeah. But like at some point in there, inevitably there's some sort of experiment where they're like, well, let's try it. Let's see how he does over like um, 600 plate appearances. And inevitably what ends up happening is, like, they don't do very well. And then all of a sudden, as you say, like, they stop hitting righties. Like, you basically, like, Mike Napoli is a good example of this, the first baseman for the for the Indians and, and designated hitter for the Indians. He, like, he he's good because, like, he hits righties. And they take him out of the lineup against tough lefties because that hurts his confidence and it's an extra workload for no reason. Um and like that's what Vinny Curry is. He's he's a platoon guy. He's a situational guy. Like put him in the lineup when he can get a sack, and like be glad you have the sacks that you have. Yeah, and uh, and he doesn't have them. So uh, I guess the only parallel I really wanted to draw here was that Vinny Curry. He was a guy, and he was a guy who we all really liked because he had a specific skill set, and none of us could really understand why he wasn't playing more. And. I mean, basically, we put it all on the coaching, and we were yeah. like, coaches should be able to see what I can see, which is that I read an article that said he looked good. And, you know, or I watched a thing on him when he was at the Senior Bowl, and he looked good. And Or, you know, like, like, or even worse, like, coaches see what I see, which is, like, his flaws, but coaches should be able to fix that. Like the, right. the like Greg Lewis thing, uh, there, was a, there was a caller on the BGN live show that said, like, yeah, you know, we should fire Greg Lewis because – what our um what our receivers lack is aggression, and Greg Lewis never had that when he was an Eagle. So right. I mean, we should he can't keep firing it. people until, until you know, <laughs> yeah, that'll, that'll probably be good. Like the receivers will be like, we keep getting our coaches fired. Maybe they'll all just retire. You know, like, <laughs> maybe they'll go really bad, and then the Eagles will have no wide receivers. It would be perfect. So, um, but so I, I guess I wanted to sort of pivot a little bit and talk about the Bryce Treggs, Paul Turner phenomenon. Yeah, for sure. Um, and by the way, I put this out there on Twitter. Oh, I, we don't have to say that anymore, which is great. Um, you guys were all right, man. The passing game was really humming with those two guys in there. My God, did you know, they look good. And I'm so, so, so glad that we don't. We don't have that. We, we get to see the, those guys because you were right. Like they were, they were just they were the cure all. I mean, so all right. Well, so you know, Walter, people, people talk about how, how bad that game was, but it was really cool that it was like you know a thirty-eight forty-two shootout. I mean, it was fun to watch. <laughs> Yeah, uh, some people talking about Paul Turner and his hands. People talk about Bryce Treggs and his speed. People think, seem to think that speed will like really cure everything in your offense. People, the real I, Al Davis is out there. Yeah. Anyway, um, 
I mean, the problem with Bryce Treggs is that he doesn't like he seriously doesn't know what he's doing. And I don't think that anybody really believes us when or people, you know, when you say that, like, a guy doesn't know what he's doing, like, oh, how how hard could it be? Like, I don't know. But like, it's clear that he doesn't like the dude. What was it? And um, uh, was it the Giants game? trying to remember which game it was, but there was a game where he was just totally on the wrong side of the field. Time was running low and he's just, Oh crap. And he's just jogging over to the other side of the field. And I'm like, this is like an example of how, when a guy doesn't know what he's doing, it's like really bad. And so like, this is the sort of thing that will like not earn you playing time because like, and it's the same. I mean, I'll, to, to be honest, like it's the same, maybe it was a Seattle game, it, but you know, it's the same thing with Aguilar not being on the line, right? Like yeah. that is yeah. the sort of thing that like really makes things worse. And so if you don't know what you're doing, if you're prone to like mental mistakes or you're just not experienced, like that's why. And so like, okay, great. Yeah. Just throw them out there and run deep. Like, I don't think any, I think every defensive coordinator in the league would be like, look, if you just want to have a wide receiver who does one thing over Great. and over again and every time he's out there like i am super happy to hear that because and and any <laughs> offensive coach will say like like look you want to avoid a tendency like that because that's just like it's just well isn't that know. the old isn't that the old chip kelly like thing that we learned about him that he had like 12 plays and the defense always knew what they were doing like immediately and they could like you know key in on the fact that sam bradford was going to try this one thing and like swarm that one player like i think yeah, there's some I, truth to that and it was pretty bad. I mean, yeah, as it was we really saw. Bad. So, but like, so, you know, it, I think what people just like quickly, I think what people don't understand about UDFAs, especially like, so Turner and Treggs are both UDFAs. Like, I think the thing about UDFAs is like, you can be an undrafted free agent if you do one thing well. Like, if you're really fast, some team's going to be like, let's see if he can catch a ball. Or like, if you have really good hands, some team's going to be like, I wouldn't mind having that guy in my practice squad. Like this is why like enormous like defensive ends get picked up as UDFAs out of like, you know, I don't know, like Stephen F. Austin or something like that. Yeah, or whatever, right. Yeah, and it's it's just because like, you know, a team will be like, look, this person has one game breaking or like one sort of like 99th percentile skill. Chances are they're not gonna be very good. And, like, any team picking them up is thinking to themselves, like, look, like, 99%, this is going to not work out. We're going to cut ties with this person. But you just do it for the 1% because it's all reward and no risk. But, like, fans don't see it that way. Fans see, like, a huge defensive end or, like, a fast wide receiver or something and don't think, like, well, this probably won't work out. They think, like, yes, another diamond in the rough. And then, yeah, like, and it's yeah. it's more than that because then these guys don't see playing time and people wonder why. Yeah, exactly. And it's the same thing with like what what, what was the guy? Um, the Jags picked him up. Uh, he was that guy out of out of uh, Delval. Um, oh, Rashid Bailey. Yeah, Rashid Bailey was another one like that where people were like, "Well, he got a high bonus and he like he looked pretty cool when he was out there in the like in training camp." And it's like, okay, look, like I that doesn't mean anything. None of it means anything. Yeah, and he also had the Vinnie Curry thing going where he grew up in the area and people yeah. are like, oh, yeah, that's my guy. Like, that's he's me. He's literally me. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't like him, you don't like me. So um, I don't know. I guess it's it's been so it's been so frustrating to, like, see all this play out, you know, in front of you to just be like, oh, my God, like. All right. I mean, at the most basic level, right? If you thought Treggs was going to fix everything and then he didn't, like, you got that one wrong. 
Yes. <laughs> so, so sorry. Like that, that we saw Treg's played 40, 44 snaps, 40 snaps. I can't remember. Cause, cause there was some stat that he played 44 snaps all season and 40 last week. You no, know, or something like that. That's and like, so good. He caught one ball and he had like one end around. And then Paul oh. Turner played a bunch and he caught no balls and had well, that, no targets. I saw, I mean, people will, and, and we'll, I'll segue after this, but like people will make any excuses for those guys at this point too. Like I saw people saying that like that is totally on Carson, that Turner right. and Briggs and didn't have a good game. Like, yeah, oh, the only our, thing Carson Is our second overall rookie just unable to take place, uh, take uh, take advantage of the undeniable talent that Bryce Treggs and Paul Turner bring to the table. I mean, can you believe I'm worried at this point that Carson Wentz is holding Bryce Treggs and Paul Turner back. I wish, you know, they should, they should like trade them to another team out of kindness. (laughs) That's exactly (laughs) right. (laughs) These hall of fame careers could be coming to an end right in front of us. (laughs) At the hands of Carson, the butcher Wentz. (laughs) But I mean, that's the thing. Like, you know, we, I mean, there's two things going on here. One, one is, one is that like we always want to be the smart fan, right? Um, and we've been talking about this a lot. Like with baseball, this was like something we felt twenty years ago. I mean, I wrote like a Tumblr post about this. Um, Vice News didn't want to, pick, Vice Sports didn't want to pick up my long form about it, so it remained a Tumblr post. Um, but you know, it's basically like baseball. Baseball has learned what football's football analytics are going to learn, which is that like you can't be the GM from your home. Like you just can't either because like there's proprietary tools or, you know, you're not there for the interviews. So you can't find out if like, you know, you can't find out if Zeke, if Ezekiel Elliott is like committed to football or like just a pain in the ass. Right. Um, and yeah. Like, and I think that's true because I, when we were talking about this, but I think that football is a game of, it's a game of effort. It's a game of conditioning and it's a game of talent. And I don't really think that that can be the same can be said of baseball. It's not really a game of effort or conditioning in baseball. It's, pretty much just talent well yes and no i mean like it is it's it's in the lower levels it's conditioning and stuff so like once you get to the majors everyone's you, you assume everyone unless you're roy halliday um you know everyone's pretty much the same in terms of like game prep and stuff like that some guys are gym rats or whatever like you get your dustin pedroyas or or like i said roy halliday's but it's true like in the minors and this is sort of like where a minor league a lot the lack of a minor league system shows in football in the minors dudes wash out all the time because they won't prepare they won't condition they won't exercise like they just don't put in the effort um so that happens all the time makeup's huge in baseball um and it's huge in football too. Like, you know, it's just like these are 19, 20, 21 year old kids that you're just being like, okay, well, actually, no, that's more baseball, but like 21 year old kids who you're saying, like, okay, look, I need you to can commit your entire life to this, be super serious, sleep and yeah, sleep a ton. And I'm gonna give you, in order to make this happen, I'm gonna give you several million dollars that you're gonna have to be very responsible with. And, like, you better figure out, like, it's, and this isn't a, like, I, I, and I know people will assume that I'm speaking in coded language here, and I'm not. Like, every single 21-year-old, regardless of, you know, race, gender, sexuality, is pretty, like, Stupid. unreliable. Yeah. Like, you don't want to trust them with anything, let alone several million dollars and, like, your franchise. Um, but you have to. And so, like, these these interviews are hugely important. Like, you have to figure out, like, okay, like, who do I like? And that has to count for a lot. Yeah, which the guys do I feel like won't slug someone in the in the locker room? Yeah, right. Know? Which is, by the way, more than I can say for the Eagles press corps. 
Oh. Nevertheless, ooh. <laughs> uh, nevertheless, uh, I think I think you're right, and and I guess I mean I don't want to get too much into the coded language thing, but it is kind of funny how at some point we sort of decided that like Knox of guys makeup has to be like a Nolan Naraki style. He has a kid, he always smiling like that kind of thing, where it's like, <laughs> like well, first of all. Well, none of those things are bad things and that's why it's bad. But like, you know, there's this idea that like you can meet a guy and be like, wow, this guy seems like a dirtbag. And like, that's like a very valid way to feel. It's like a yeah. very valid way to feel. I bet I bet each of you listening to this has met like three dirtbags this week. Yeah, you and, meet dirtbags and you don't want to spend time with them. Like, imagine if you had to like, if someone were like, okay, not only are we asking you to spend a bunch of time with this person, not only are we asking like, you to here, work with them. Why don't you lend this dirtbag your car yeah, like, right. for a year? Like, we're, your job, your job depends on this dirtbag uh, doing a good job. Car. Yeah, like, right. Oh. <laughs> so, so I mean, you definitely wouldn't stick your neck out for this, and so that's that's sort of you know you know it's interesting because um, uh, I was listening to an interview with Wendell Smallwood, and he said that uh, he and Deuce exchanged information at the combine, and they um, like just continued to exchange texts and stuff, you know, throughout the process, uh, the the draft process that right. is in the. Um, the and I and then when they drafted him, I was like, that makes perfect sense, right? Like, because Deuce Deuce got to know this guy, and Deuce was like, this is a guy I want to coach. And so, like, if you can find like a player and a coach that's simpatico, I would think that that would be that's. I mean, that is at least as important as as like being a couple of clicks down talent wise. It's worth you know, dropping actually. a fifth round pick on. I mean, honestly, yeah, like, so, yeah, so there's nothing more important than that. Deuce called on day two and said, "Look, I'm going to try to get you in here on day three. And then day three, you know, they made it happen, and, and they, uh, I think Chris McPherson told the story um, to Wendell that the um, the story he'd heard was that Howie was like, "All right, we're taking Deuce's Deuce's guy. Where's Deuce?" And Deuce, they couldn't find him, and they're like, "We're taking his guy. We got to get him so we can call him." Well, you're taking his guy. Where is he? And they couldn't find him. I guess they did eventually find him, but um, it was kind of a funny, kind of a funny story. He he had a he had an interesting tidbit about him. They said that. Um, he when he was in high school he was supposed to have a laptop and he couldn't afford a laptop and so for like a couple of years he was tapping out uh essays on his phone oh sounds terrible about that five and ten page essays anyway um but i read my dissertation on my phone the other day and it was not fun (laughs) um yeah so okay so getting back to your baseball point i think that i think that when we see we see this and and this sort of bleeds into the advanced analytics stuff the stuff that we see out there you know pff has kind of gotten a little mainstream and haughty but like the you know the football outsiders guys those guys are like you know pff's like kind of glad handy where they're like this is not surprising since he's our second highest rated uh guard in zone blocking or you know because <laughs> right since, uh, they're doing the green thing he exceeds it at uh, at press coverage and you know whatever um, the uh, uh, but you know the football outsiders guys like a lot of these guys I mean they more or less exist and and this is the thing about like stats should stats be like what should they be um, and and I guess the same thing with like other types of fandom and yes that's right stats people being a stats guy is being a fan um, right. Like, you know, is it trying to be uh, descriptive? Is it trying to be, you know, that is to say, is it trying to sort of say, uh, you know, here I've quantified this interesting thing in an interesting way. I mean, that's a pretty basic way to, you know, even box scores are somewhat descriptive. Um, Is it trying to be, you know, kind of prescriptive that is like predictive, you know, in other words, like, uh, oh, this guy, he threw this this percent touchdowns and like that's been 
we've shown that that's like extremely constant throughout his career. You know, he is very unlikely to improve in this way, or he's very likely to improve in this way, or past this age, he was very likely to get worse in this way, but you know, whatever, or, you know, are they trying to do some other thing? And so, so I feel like with the stats guys, they get really far off the reservation when they start to be like, Oh, like I flat out just think that this was wrong, you know? Yeah. Well, and I mean, there's like, I think it's a fantasy thing. Like it's a fantasy football thing too. Like, I mean, this happened in baseball too. Like not to get back to baseball, but I think it's like such a good, uh, such a good parallel in that like the be- the stuff coming out for baseball now or like the good stuff coming out for baseball now is like and and large large amounts of it is basically like hey we noticed this happening like we came up with this new stat we noticed this thing happening seems kind of interesting we'll see how it develops over the season maybe it's nothing maybe it's something we'll just have to see yeah, or, that gave rise to like spin rate and other stuff that yeah, some people and, like, like roll their eyes at and like maybe it is maybe it isn't but most like reasonable people will be like who knows but like in in I think like in the older in the old days and for some people still like it's all about finding some sort of fantasy football player that you can like or fantasy baseball player that you can get like real like glad about yourself because you're like a super good scout and so like it's not about it's not about like asking like well what can we make of these trends or like everyone has the same information how can we sort of like express it more descriptively it's about like well we have to find out who's actually good at football two years before they're actually good at football and <laughs> that's it's like, right it's like just stop <laughs> i think that's funny and and they always have these very perfunctory disclaimers that they're not trying to do exactly that you right. know like yeah. um the guys who were like uh like okay perfect example is the peace park guy um zach uh whatever his name is i think he writes for field goals and stuff but every year he puts out his peace park thing which is supposed to be this like sort of cumulative uh measure of what a good athlete someone is oh, and every yeah. year he talks like he says like look this doesn't actually mean that they're going to be good at football but check out how many of these guys that this <laughs> team got they're gonna rule they're gonna slay and it's just like all right and every time you know it's the same thing with justice Mosqueda, who makes more than me um and his stupid force players thing where he's like oh look like not every force player is good but every good player is a force player and like all right great so, you know so so all this stuff and then right. those who aren't like i know why so don't worry about it but yeah, like exactly. you know this kind of thing where it's just like, yeah, like we did it. We figured it out. And then they're like, but you know, take it with a grain of salt, but like, yeah, I, I cracked the code. I'm the best. Well, like Ben Lindbergh put out or not Ben Lindbergh, uh, Sam Miller put out, uh, um, uh, like an, a really, really good piece for ESPN about, um, wisdom of replacement, the sort of like the, 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 the baseball equivalent of, yeah, I figured it out. I'm the best. Um, that sort of became mainstream. And he said like, it was on, um, it was on uh, Robbie Ray, a pitcher for the Diamondbacks, and the the piece was called "Robbie Ray is either an ace or a re- or a replacement level pitcher." And he said he basically looked at a series of WAR uh, wins of a replacement, and he was like, "Yeah, like based on how you calculate this, based on these minute things, either this guy's season was an ace level season, like one of the best pitchers in baseball, or he's completely replacement level and a bad pitcher." And like the, the the moral of the story was even this thing that we've come to expect is like actually descriptive of good performance isn't like it doesn't do its job very well, and like spark and and force and all that stuff is way more out there than than wins above replacement. Wins above replacement at least looks at things like that actually happened in the game, right. whereas something like spark or force is like what was his jump and what are his shoulders and like how much can he lift and it's like you can't yeah, just it's basically, add it's basically just that and how much does he weigh and that's like yeah. the two 
yeah. Like it, you get your Dantari pose that like, okay, look, I guess like that worked out. But then you also get like dudes who just like, yeah, I don't know, like, um, it's the German guy who went to the Colts. He's oh, pretty Bjorn big. Right? I don't think he measured that well. The guy oh, who yeah. I always think of was the, there was this like defensive lineman from like Montana, I think. Mm-hmm. The Seahawks drafted, and, and they called him the Viking because he looked like a Viking. He looked like a cartoon character. He was like huge Ooh. and blonde, and and all that stuff. And and he ended up like testing really well on Spark, and they were like, "Oh man, gem." And then they <laughs> they switched him to guard, and then they put him on the practice squad, and now I think he's done. Um, cool. Neat. So like, yeah, hey man, yeah, that was great. <laughs> and so like, oh, and then and then of course all they do is they just quietly tapped the disclaimer look i never said he'd be good but when it happened i was like yeah you know exactly and so so but there's so much that goes into this and and these guys they want to you know they want to wave it all away and and everybody's got their reasons for why they want to wave it all away and i think one of the big ones for me at least is look if you can't wave it all away then why are we doing it right Um, well and i mean you know everyone wants i think the there's two things that are sort of like the 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 brass ring of football analytics and you know they've all blocked me at this point so i have nothing to lose but um uh you know there are two things that are brass ring brass ring of football analytics and neither of them is like intellectual honesty they're both the one is um just like king of the hill style thinking like i'm the most smart person on twitter um and the other thing more nefariously is if you can come up with a system that is proprietary and works, then someone will buy it off you for millions of dollars. <laughs> that's, right. And 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 none of these work. Like that's the other thing. Like Spark is fun and Spark is neat and like it's fun to think like ooh like these like this math like about these people tells me who the good prospects are, but it doesn't work. Like none of this works and everyone sort of like tacitly acknowledges that all of these things are flawed and all the scouting that people do is flawed or like the sort of amateur scouting and all like DVOA is kind of flawed and all this stuff like we joke around about it. But in the back of our minds, it's also like, but actually it's it's like it's pretty good. Like it's pretty true too. <laughs> yeah. And, I th- and also in the back of our minds is like, oh, well, it's only flawed if we're not good at it. Right. But exactly. Exactly. Like it up. might if well, it, it, like, you know, if my team isn't like properly respected by this it's bad but the instant my team is properly respected by this it's a good system and i like it well they got this one right yeah yeah right exactly i see that with all the time with pff too nobody cares um <laughs> no we've been laughing about the eagles being like number two in dvoa for ages like it's it's at the beginning of the season it felt good and now it just feels like a bad joke which is funny because i almost feel like that well obviously that gives them way too much credit but um at the same time i feel like the eagles deserve like a lot of credit for what they've managed to do squeezing blood from a stone wise on offense. But I agree. I agree. Um, but that's for another show. Um, but yeah, I think what, so, so I think that what if, no, if I wanted to wrap it up. Yeah. So if I wanted to, if I wanted to sort of bring this back, it's that we, we've got this like new sort of thing is like, uh, well, look, caller, if you, um, <laughs> if you, if you wanted to, um, uh, if you wanted to like kind of, do a little bit better football discussion, you know, in terms of not making people mad and like not being so you should try to like think about given like a general level of competence. Why do you think a person acted you know, in a general yeah. level of reasonability? Why do you think that a person acted in this way, given that they did already act in that way? I think that 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 to me is like a much more interesting and kind of 
descriptive and and I mean to be honest like less biased way of of looking at uh, you know a thing that has happened as opposed to being like oh this latest blunder proves that he's in over his head right. like no it doesn't it doesn't prove that at all there's like there's at least like one other thing that i can think of which is that it isn't a blunder and like you know so so like in well, whenever I, I see stories like that i'm just like instinctively i'm like no this couldn't maybe maybe but probably not well and it's it's true that like you know if you're trying to and and i'll you know Sean Fahey or like any of the any he's the only scout he's the only sort of amateur scout I can think of but like any of the amateur scouts online like I'm sure they could take issue with me and you know Fran is is the one guy that I'll give some some credence to because he's very very good but like if you're gonna try and like be better at football than these guys I think it's a than the coaches I think it's probably a mistake like I don't think you're gonna get there I think like the thing that you could be better at is like being an interpreter of like what happened or like reading what like like kind of trying to understand the things that happened in the game from like a humanistic perspective or from a fan perspective or like understand them from like a larger sort of like 30,000 foot view I think fans can do that better but I do not an analyst can do that better but like honestly if you're gonna try and be like well that's why you should use like cover zero in that place than instead of cover two. And Jim Schwartz should have known that. I guarantee, calling back to the beginning of the show, he had a reason for using whatever he used at that point. It wasn't like he just was like, I forget the concept, so I'll just go with what I know. Uh, yeah, and I think that, I mean, I guess I'm just so sick of it. You know, the questioning, like the, the sort of weird, random, undirected anger, the run the ball, not like that. You know, look, I've been calling for them to run the ball all game, but then they ran it inside. Like, yeah, that's where you run a ball. Like, you run a ball, you run it inside or you run it outside. Like, that's pretty much it. Like, yeah, please don't tell me that there are other ways. I don't care. But I, like, loved, I loved when Wendell Smallwood ran the ball like four times in a row and got like, you know, 15 yards or whatever. And then ran the ball and got no yards. And it was like second and 10. And then people were like... <laughs> Doug must not have even noticed that Wendell Smallwood was uh, tearing up the defense because he went to a pass. Yeah. Like, it's right. like yeah, an and imprint. And, <laughs> and, and, I mean, it's the same thing. I just keep thinking about Bryce Treggs, like, jogging to the sideline and then people being like, get Bryce Treggs in there. I'm like, dude, no. Like, you just, <laughs> here, let me show you. Like, that's the sort of thing that, like, I mean, fans might not even notice because they're probably all staring at Carson Wentz and being like, what's he waiting for? And be like, oh, he's probably waiting for his coworker to get to his office. You know, like, right. it's probably what he's waiting for. So He's probably not um, trying to throw an interception because he's thrown a lot of them trying to force things and doesn't want to do that anymore. We had a little bit more planned, but I don't really know if we need to cover that this week. Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, the last thing I'll say is, you know, the thing we had planned was to say, like, fan expectations don't really matter to the team. And I think that's not a bad way to end up, which is to say, like, anything that you hear from a coach or an owner or a player or anyone that's talking to the media about the stuff, like, maybe there's a tidbit in there. You know, unfortunately, sometimes play we, you know, the media hits players when they're raw and you get like reactions like Nelson's reaction the other week. Like, I feel that's unfortunate. I feel bad for the players at that point. Um, I feel like that's like something that would happen to me if I was in their position, because it's just really hard to moderate yourself when you're not feeling good. Um, yeah, me but, too. Yeah, yeah. But like, you know, most times it's just they're saying this stuff to mod to like modulate and manage stuff that's happening in the building that we don't any, know anything about 
because we don't have the information. So like if Doug says, hey, yeah, like, you know, I still have all the faith in the world in Jordan and Nelson and my wide receivers. It's not because he actually does or because he's like dumb and hasn't watched the games. It's like literally because like if you don't say that they might lose more faith in themselves and do worse or, you know, they're going to turn on you or you're doing yourself no favors by like telling them they're bad in front of the media. Like he's not saying that for you. He's saying that for them. He's not saying it because it's a reflection of reality. He's saying it because it's like management. Um, And I think like people need to understand that not just like this is a business from a, from a financial standpoint, like we, you know, we, we understand that because we say it constantly, but like understand that this is a business from like a personnel standpoint. Like these are people that need to be managed. Um, And the people who are management are like, we're criticizing them, but like, we don't know all they know. Um, Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. And it's interesting. um, I guess Doug took a little bit of heat from his comment today that, that um, he felt good or. Oh yeah. I saw that. that effect, right? Yeah, and um, you think someone tweeted delusional? Fire him now. Uh, yes, uh, <laughs> and I bet I know exactly who it is too. I but, follow um, at Phila fans. At <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, that Doc Forever twenty twenty. Um, so um, I guess, and I guess I agree, but I think that overall, like Doug's probably looking at how this team is coalescing. You know, some of the younger guys, Wentz in particular. You know, Big V, maybe Sam Malo, like some of these younger guys, Smallwood, and thinking like, yeah, okay, yeah. I'll take and it. And he's looking at some of the veterans, guys like, you know, Peters and, you know, maybe even Kelsey, who's sort of come along a little bit. Uh, he's still up and down, so I'm not really sure how they feel about him going forward. You know, Brandon Brooks and then even guys like Jenkins and, and those types, uh, you know, defenders. Cloud. And, yeah. And, and thinking like, yeah. And then I bet other people are looking at him being like, they're losing. And <laughs> yeah. like, how could you? And I'm thinking this is like a long term thing. And, and how... How could you possibly hope to be successful if every if you're just constantly reliving every like problem that you've had in the last week? Well, the only the only way you could be successful if you are losing is if you're a defensive minded coach who needs three years to get things together and build build what you need from the ground up. That's right. Can he build it? Yes, Gus can. <laughs> it's still still not fired. Yeah. I never will be. He's never he, will be. He's the king in the north of the south. <laughs> The king, the king of the North Florida. Um, <laughs> Jacksonville's not yeah, even okay. in North Florida. <laughs> yes, it is. Is it? Oh, you no, you live in Florida. Yeah, where do you think Jacksonville is? So, so, I, I don't know. I thought it was the south. No. Man, I don't know anything no, about Florida. Jacksonville's right on the Georgia line. All right. Man, I totally in. just outed um, myself to Ricky Ricardo. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> um. All right, I think uh, we're going to wrap it up. This has been episode four of Don't Go to the Phones. Uh, Let's not go to the phones. Yeah, let's not do it. All right, thanks, everyone. Uh